When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, let's welcome back to the Beaver Banter Podcast. I'm Nick Dashnell, and I cover Oregon State football and basketball for the Oregonian and Oregon Live. The, the Beavers resume action this week after having a bye last Saturday. The Beavers head up to Seattle this week to play Washington at 7.30 p.m. Friday in Husky Stadium. Both teams are 6-2 and two with chances for a 10-win season, so the stakes are pretty high. Joining me on the podcast, as he does every week, is former Oregon State cornerback Kyle White. Welcome back, Kyle. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to get to the Washington game in, in a bit, but uh, since there wasn't a game last week, I thought we'd go in a little bit of a different direction to start the the podcast. Um, want to just kind of go over each uh, position group, Oregon State position group, and kind of talk a little bit of how they've fared this so far this season, maybe some ups and downs, maybe you know a guy or two that's really stood out, um, maybe even throw out a letter grade for each each position so thought I'd start with the offense um and um start with the receivers and tight ends and sort of lump them together I guess um you know they pretty I think they pretty much delivered what we expected I I don't know that we expected them to be you know this this um top of the Pac-12 group they don't have a you know they don't have that horse that you would say is a all Pac-12 receiver Maybe Harrison was that guy, but that might have been a little bit of a stretch. Um, I don't really know they've overachieved this this season. Uh, they missed Luke. List. Let me get it out of here. Miss Luke Musgrave. I mean, he. I think he was on a track to be All Pac-12 after two games, but doesn't look like he's going to be back this year. So that that's been kind of a blow. Um, you know, like I said, I don't know that anybody's severely overachieved. I think you know. Trayshawn Harrison's been what we thought he'd be. I think Anthony Gould's had a pretty nice season. You know, Jack Velling has been a pleasant surprise, a freshman tight end. Um, I guess outside of some more explosive plays, I don't know if there's more we should expect out of this group. What, what do you think, Kyle? No, I actually think you're, you're pretty dead on the spot on this one. I think that, you know, like they do what they need to do to get through. Um, there's nobody that really goes above and beyond and shows that like greatness potential, but everybody is consistently decently good. So, I mean, there's nobody besides potentially Musgrave and Harrison had the shot of being that all-star guy that we needed for the Pac-12 on our team, but doesn't show that consistency in the position. So, um, 
really, I think if you want to rate them a certain grade, I'd say maybe like a C plus B minus, just because it's like, hey, like they bring to the table what we need, but nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, I mean, I guess one thing I should say is Harrison has won two games for him this year with last second plays. So, I mean, there is that. He, you know, that's not something a lot of receivers in the Pac-12 can say is that they came through in the in the clutchest of clutch moments to to win a f- football game. So that you know, there is that. I don't know. I'd probably give this group maybe a, <clears throat> uh, I don't know, B minus, C plus, just based on what I thought they'd be at the start of the season. You know, I. I don't want to say, you know, they're a D because because they haven't been all Pac-12 level. I don't think they were they were that group. So, I don't know what where 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 would you grade them on this one? Yeah, I agree. I um, I believe that they're around a B minus C plus where it's like, you know, we I didn't have the expectations of us having like a crazy strong uh receiving core. But I was really hoping not for like some just horrible and we got to just base the whole game off of the run. And so, you know, we have that ability where we can throw the ball around. Uh, do we have that go-to receiver in deep moments? Every once in a while, Harrison is that guy. So, yes, it's cool, but he's not consistently that guy. It's sort of he just gives you some random spark of I am here. And it's it's cool to see, but I, I wish he could just show it every game. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I agree there at a B minus C plus and I don't know. I think there's a lot of upside for the future. I mean, in the years coming, but at the, at the time, I think it's just a growing process and Jonathan Smith's doing a great job with that. I do think for this team to, um, you know, maybe take another half step or so the transfer portal, they've got to try to find somebody that's a real impact receiver, uh, you know, and I don't know if that guy even exists out there, and I don't know how many, you know, I don't know how many bags of money you got to drop in the guy's lap to in uh, nil money to to make it happen. But um, you know, they desperately need a an Isaiah Hodgins type that can go out and you know get you get you a catch on third and eight. Uh, you know, almost you know, almost a guaranteed a guy that just can go out. They just don't have any big big receivers on this team, and. And I, maybe that guy won't exist in the transfer portal, but I do think that's one position group where, um, you know, Oregon State's probably got to <clears throat> really dig down deep and see if they can find somebody for next season, um, especially with Harrison leaving and Lindsay's leaving. Um, <clears throat> you know, they're going to lose some guys off this roster. So um, let's see. Let's go to offensive line. Now, this is a group we thought was going to be pretty good going into the year. They had They had several returning starters. They had... You know, Brandon Kipper, a five-year, he's in his sixth year. He's a four-year starter. They've, they've got, they had, you know, a star. They've got, I think they had three three returning, one or two or three-year starters. And then Marco Brewer had experience at left guard. Um, you know, Tali at Fuega is really, you know, he's really the rookie on this group. I, I think they've had a pretty decent season to date but it's been mixed in that i mean they're solid run blockers again there's no question they they do a good job at run blocking this team has been improving each week with the run but they could be they could still be better in pass protection the quarterback is you know is constantly under under fire um it's getting a little better the penalties have gotten a little better they've been a little bit better as the seasons wore on but I kind of think for this this group to be considered, you know, one of the best in the Pac-12, the, the pass protections probably got to be better. And 
I, I do think that of all the guys on this team, on this line, I, I think Tolly, he's quietly had an all Pac-12 type season. I think that's sort of bearing out in some of the stats that you see in some of the analytic stats that he's he's having a good season for a, for a rookie, you know, right tackle. What, what What's your thoughts on the offensive line? The way I look at it, I think you took the words out of my mouth earlier when you said, like, they have consist, they've gotten better week in and week out, where, like, you know, they, it started off a little bit more rocky than so. But as they've gone week by week, I see them getting better as a group, which that was the expectation to start off with, but at least they're getting there now. Um, yeah, like, the run blocking is always great. The quarterback's under duress a little too much. Um, you know, when you have two quarterbacks, necessarily it's not on the O-line, but when you cause that much pressure on the quarterback, yeah, you're bound to throw an interception. Necessarily not six, but, uh, you know, like it happens. And it's hard as a quarterback to be able to read the field when you're have dur- when you under duress. So I think how they started off might have been a little bit weaker, but as they've progressed through the season, they've gotten a lot stronger and uh, I think they're starting to do well in both areas, more so run than they are pass. But I think the pass is just to come as the weeks go on since we're on the back end of the stretch now. I, I don't know how much video you've watched of these guys, but I know last year, you know, Nathan Eldridge was a center and, and they, and the coaches talked a lot about how he was really good at getting to the next level. Um, you know, he got his first block in and he was able to get to the linebackers, and make another block. Um, and they kind of wondered what would happen with, you know, with Eldridge gone. He was a two-time all Pac-12 center, and he, he was very experienced. He played seven years of college football. But but Jake Levengood's had a nice season. I You know, I don't know that he's Nate Eldridge, but he's – but, he but you know, they, I'm, I'm told he's he's been a real leader out there, and, you know, that's really what you got to have as a center is, is a leader and, and the block – you know, and be able to call out, you know, the – the things you need to call out on an offensive line. So I, that would, that would, that seemed to me the one area that going into the season, that was a question mark, but Levin goods had a, a pretty nice little season so far. Yeah. I mean, definitely coming from last year where we had BJ Baylor and I don't know necessarily if I ever actually looked at the O-line, but when I'm able to see BJ get to the second and third level, it shows that your O-line is doing some great things. I mean, He's untouched for like a hot second, and then he only has to make one or two people miss. Uh, it's always a great sight to see. So I think that that shows that showed then, and then this year, you know, it does suck to be compared. But I think what they do well is communication, and um, they're doing better in other aspects. So sometimes when you're being compared, it's rather than trying to compare yourself in that one area, just try to outshine yourself in other areas and other aspects so that like really help show who you are individually. And I think that this, that's what this O-line and this team's done. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to probably give this, the, the offensive line, a, a, a B grade through eight games. Um, just because, you know, the, they, 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 they run block so well. And so you, you, you can't take that away from you know, the pass protection. If it could get a little better, you know, maybe they're up to an, a, B plus by the end of the year. That that sound about that sound about grading them right here. I want to say yes and no. Like I, I would put them at a B because like the way I look at it, you know, we have a six and two record, partially on the O line. They're doing great. We're running the ball decently well now. Um, we've had a lot of great touchdowns, passing and running. So yes, on that end. But at the same time, we've also had some slip ups. You know, we've had a lot of bad penalties. 
So it's like I almost want to give him like a B minus, but you know we've been in every game, we've done great more games than not besides the Utah game. So like yeah, a B is worthy and it's right, but at the same time potentially a B minus just from all the yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's somewhere in there. So let's go with the running backs. Um, a lot of expectations here. So maybe these guys get graded a little harder than than most just because because the expectations with with Damian Martinez. I'm going to say it's a little mixed here because the, the expectations for him coming into the year were pretty high, and, and maybe they were unfair. I mean, he, he's now playing where we thought he'd be, and you know, it took him a little while to get here, and maybe that's, and maybe that's, what, it, and that's what it is, and that's what we should have expected. Um, but right now, I mean, eight games in, he's, he's, as, he's as close to dangerous a threat as a running back as there is in the Pac-12, so... There's that, and they, they've been able to go with these three guys, uh, Deshaun Fenwick and you know Jam Griffin, and they've all contributed something you know to the mix. Um, I kind of have a feeling that Martinez and Griffin are going to be playing a little bit more down the stretch, particularly if Fenwick isn't isn't a little little banged up. I don't know how you know where he's at health wise. He missed the last game because of some issue. W- with this group, though. I would have liked to seen what they could have done with, with Trey Lowe in the mix because he's a real pass-catching threat. And that, that seems like the one thing they're sort of missing from from the running backs. But, you know, overall, it's it's been a solid group. It's hard to complain. I, I just – the expe- expectations were so high with these guys that, that, you know, anything less than great or close to great seems, you know, I guess average, I suppose. I don't know what 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 what, did, what were you what what have you seen from the running backs? I I see that side of the point where like yeah their expectations were high and I won't even lie I I would I'm keeping them that high because they have all that ability to do so they have a great pass catching back at low they have a great um, breakaway runner with Martinez it took time to get to but he's there you have a great yak yards with Griffin you have a great boot back with Fenwick. So it's like you have all the dynamics, but I almost think that it's in so many different forms that it's like, who do you put in at times? And then how do they have to figure out who was what at the beginning of the season? So like I almost give them and I'm grading them on myself, like with as hard as standards as I've seen from my year to the next couple of years, all the way to them. I put them at like a C plus, but with the potential of like, a B plus to a minus because I mean, it's going to take time. They have the years, like only person that might leave is Fenway, but I think that they have all the ability and it's just taken eight games for them to get there. Um, Martinez, I see him getting so many more carries. Now I see Griffin getting the ball a lot more. I really was excited to see what Lowe would do with the ball on the outsides with like screen passes, just dishing it off to the side to him and like letting him, go to work the way he feels. But um, when he comes back, we'll see what happens Yeah, this year, next year. Um, but I think it's just taken a lot of time for them to get that running game finally going. And I feel like they now they have it on pace and where they want it to be. Right. But we're eight games in too. Yeah, I think it's probably somewhere in the B to B minus, you know, but we're not through yet. The, the, this they, they could get up as high as an A minus with this group by the end of the season because – and Martinez yeah. is hitting the stride right now, and if if he continues to improve, you know it, this this is going to be an exciting group to watch down the stretch. Um, quarterbacks, look, 
Start with you, Kyle. What, what, what have you thought of the quarterback play so far? It's really tricky because they have times of greatness and they have times of what are you even doing? So it's like you go from like a decently B plus rating to potentially a D rating. And so I'll split it right down the middle and just call it a C. Uh, it's just like you see moments of brightness and light and greatness and at like, you know, consistent play between either Nolan or the, like the freshman. And, you know, it's just like, which one are we going to get this week? That's been the biggest talk. And who would you start now? And then like, you know, you got Nolan throwing six interceptions. You got the freshman throwing two interceptions, but then he's also doing well. So it's like, you know, so as when we start getting that consistent play between just one, um, I think it's going to be great. I think that they both play pretty well. That's why I don't think, again, like I feel like everybody's almost in that C, C plus category because I don't think that neither one are bad. I think there's just been mistakes a little here, there. I think it's the only reason why we lost the two games is from uh, just a couple of mistakes. But, you know, you win some, you lose some, you keep it pushing and you learn your lessons. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, the two losses, they had eight interceptions. It's kind of hard to win with throwing that many interceptions. And not all of those are on the quarterback, but, but a fair number of more. I, I would say, you know, start with, with these guys. Was either one an all Pac 12 quarterback going into the season? No. Um, the, Jonathan and, you know, Brian Lindgren, their, their, their first order of business is that these guys need to manage the game correctly. And I think from that standpoint, I think they've done pretty well. I Jonathan's talked a lot about how they, you know, they get they they largely get um, Oregon State into the right run plays, which is sort of a thing that most fans don't see. And, and you know, you just because why would they know that they, you know, but it's up to a quarterback to be able to read a defense and and get them in the right run plays. And I think they've done that pretty well. Um, you know, the passing game could be a little better but again it comes back to what do you got to work with i mean if you don't have if you don't have big you know stud receivers i mean there's only so much you, you can do they've 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 done well enough with those guys um but with both with both of them especially chance nolan he's just had a few moments that you just go what are you doing there's been there's been a there's been like one or two of those in every game that you just go what are you doing and um i mean it's like you can almost see the interception before the ball even comes out of his hand um (laughs) and it's it's those moments that just they make or break a quarterback and and you know you you'd like to think by now those moments are are gonna start you know, maybe, maybe we'll see less of them down, but it's hard to know. Cause no one's has, has he, today was the first day he's practice, I think in a month. So I don't know where this position is going to go either. Cause you know, if Gulbertson plays Friday, well, Gulbertson is probably going to be the starter against Washington. I mean, if he starts the Hus and they beat the Huskies, I mean, he's four and as a starter. Regardless of what you think of Chance Nolan, it's it's gonna be hard to bench a guy that's four and zero. It's it just is, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens if Oregon State wins Saturday. I keep saying Saturday; it's Friday, Friday night, seven thirty. Friday <laughs> night, seven thirty. Uh, you know, if he leads them to a win Friday night, I think you got to keep going with him because you you can't bench a hot hand. And you know, I'm not saying he's a hot hand, but when you're winning games, your quarterback's responsible for a lot of that. So I don't know. I'd say the quarterbacks overall have been maybe a, 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say about a C plus. I mean, could be a little, they, they, you know, especially with Chance, I think he could have maybe add a little bit more of a threat running the ball, but I don't know how much that uh, that's on him and how much of its play design, how much Brian emphasizes that, but I'm going to say about a C, C plus in that neighborhood. I don't know. Is that about what you, but you, you said C, right? I said C to C plus. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at how we graded these guys, the, the offense and, and it was in the, it was in the, the B to, to C range. And so, you know, some people might say, whoa, kind of harsh on these guys. But I'm thinking, okay, the offense isn't as good as last year. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. And last year's offense was was probably one of the top four in the Pac-12. This one's probably, mm, I don't know, sixth or seventh maybe, somewhere in that seven, six, seven range. Yeah, it's kind of average. And, uh, I mean, that's that's where you're at right now. Um, can they be a little better? I I think they could, but. You know, we'll, we'll see how they are down the stretch. But I mean, at this point, I think, you know, it's been a, an average to maybe slightly above average offense just because of the running game. Yeah. I mean, when you can't find a dynamic between the pass or the run game, it makes it hard. And I feel like we've been average on both sides of it. We don't have some deep threat, like some crazy great receivers or even a guy to really get the ball to. And then on top of our run games, taken some time to build all season so far. And now that we're finally there, I feel like, you know, potentially we could see our run game be our main focus that switches to our pass out of it. So a lot of play action or even just like fake to pops and just hoping that, you know, um, there's going to be so many more people ready to bite on the run where we'll have more open opportunities in the pass game. So yeah, excited to see where that ends and where it leads to in the future. But um, yeah, no, I think across the board, yeah, if people want to say like, yeah, we're braining them harshly. I mean, you sort of look at it overall. And, uh, we're we're in the top twenty-five, but we're at, we're out of like the top. Uh, the five of us were at the bottom of it, so I'd still put us. I mean, I'm proud of us, a hundred thousand percent. But, you know, like they have great receivers on the other teams. They have a great offense. They have a mobile, mobile, like a really mobile quarterback. Um, And, you know, we have deep above average players, but nowhere towards great offensive players yet. And I think it takes time. It takes recruitment. Coach Smith has done great at doing this lately. I mean, the past couple of years, literally proven we get a bowl game last year. Um, we're already bowl eligible this year. We're top 25 since 2013. So, I mean, the years that Coach Smith has just put in in the small amount of time already shows tre- tremendous difference. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, let's, let's, let's go the other side of the ball on defense. Um, the defensive line, you know, this, that's kind of a position where unless you spend a lot of time nerding out on video and really studying what guys are doing and everything, it's kind of hard to, you know, really know exactly how, you know, how they're all playing. But just from talking to coaches and what I've seen, I, I kind of think they've just been quietly effective. I mean, you're not going to – defensive tackles and ends aren't going to rack up a bunch of stats and, and whatnot, but they're stopping the run. They're, they could get they, maybe they could get to the quarterback a little bit more, but they're still, you know, they're still making some impact in that area. 
And this defensive line is way better than it was two or three years ago. I mean, it, it, they at least make some impact. I mean, they were getting shoved off the ball, you know, in 2018 and 2019. They're, they're, they're not, that's not happening anymore. And so from that standpoint, I, I mean, I don't know how much we expect out of the defensive line. I, I'm going to give them a B just because, you know, we don't talk about them. And when we're not talking about the defensive line, that's usually a good thing with Oregon State. Yeah, no, I was actually going to say the same thing. I'm 100% giving them a B. Um, when you talk about quarterback pressure, I think we've been decently well at getting to the quarterback. Uh, we stopped the run decently well all year so far. Um, they do their job. They hold their gaps. And, you know, like that causes so much on the back end, like we talked about way earlier this season, where it gives the DBs, the safeties, the linebackers enough time to cause turnovers. And what are we known for? I mean, we're like the second best team for turnovers right now in the pack, uh, second or third. But it, it's I think it all starts from the D-line. And they've held their own and they've done their job. And when they're able to do their job, and again, yes, it's a quiet position where it's just like, I mean, you're not seeing like any 50, 60 yards pop runs pop off every week, like every other play or every other couple drives, which is really nice. So, you know, when that's not happening, that means that they must be doing their job. So quarterback's been contained in the pocket more times than not. We're also having quarterback pressures, not as many sacks, but pressures are just as good as sacks sometimes when you're going to have them throw an unwanted ball and it throws it right to the DB. So Yeah, yeah. So let's lump the the outside inside linebackers together. Um, I'm, I'm going to say they've been about what we thought they'd be. Um, I'm not, I don't know. We've seen any real standouts on the edge that from the outside linebackers, but they, they've impacted the passer, you know, they're maybe, maybe not getting the, the outside linebackers, maybe aren't getting the sack quite the number of sacks that, you know, a, a great outside linebacker core would have, but they've been, they've been effective. And, and John McCartan has really had a decent a, you know, better than average season. He bouncing back from missing all of last season. He he's really been he's really been good this year. Um, the inside linebackers, again, that's it's been a, just a nice solid group. Kyrie Fisher Morris has stepped into a starting role, and he's really been a team leader. Um, he's usually he's usually one of the, among their top two or three tacklers, and seems like he's in the middle of everything. Omar Spates has been a, a great leader, you know, three-year starter, solid player. You know, Easton Mac- Macarenas Arnold is he's going to you just know he's going to be a standout as soon as as one of these two guys in front of him graduate. He's he's going to step right in and, and be pretty effective. I, I look at this group and I'm I'm going I'm going B plus on on the on the on the linebackers as a whole. I mean, I, I'm probably just going to stick with a B um, just because it's positive that you don't hear very much about them. It's also negative that you don't hear much, very much about them sometimes. So, you know, there hasn't been too many sacks lately. Uh, but at the same time, like, they play great ball. They get to the ball. They make the tackles. I think, yeah, like you're saying, like all these uh, older guys, I think they have great leadership. You know, they know the game. They know the team. They know how to manage it. And they uh, they lead the defense very well. So I think that only thing in my opinion that's missing is, and I don't know, maybe it's my 
uh, judgment on or bias and comparison on picking or always remembering Himika as that linebacker. But in ways, he, he was a one out of a thousand guy where he set some crazy stats in one season and then the next season didn't really do much. But I mean, I, I so like, I think we have the ability to get more turnovers, fumbles, or even getting sacks. And so I think that's the one thing that's really missing for me. I think that their overall play is well. Um, just waiting for more sacks to happen and more fumbles. So, yeah. Um, but do, don't, don't you think, I, I mean, don't you think in, you know, Hamakar's, uh, Hamakar's, when he, when he was racking up all those numbers, I mean, he was a, he was a home run type guy. I mean, he either, he either made the great play or he missed, he, he, he missed, he missed, he missed a lot of plays. So, I mean, as good as he was, I mean, he could also, these guys don't seem to, these guys don't, maybe they don't get the, the sacks that he, he got or, um, but they don't miss a lot of, they don't, you know, miss, you know, just whiff on, on guys running, running by them on run plays and things like that. I don't know. No, I totally agree. No, I agree on that. And I think that's the thing is that in some ways I could be like mistreated and only see, remember like the, all the great plays that Hemica had and then forget the whole next season that he didn't do well at all. Yeah. So, uh, I think again, like they play consistent and they play well. I still think that they have the ability to like have a sack, a couple sacks, like two sacks per game. Yeah. Um, a fumble, uh, like not even you don't have to like turn over the fumble, just a fumble. It changes the momentum. It changes the animosity in the crowd and in the stadium. And I think they have all this potential. It's just not been fully awoken this year yeah there's really not a there's really not a like on this team there really isn't a guy that's you know piling up a bunch of sacks they have well they got six nine eleven guys with that have that have been involved in a sack this year which is a pretty high number but i mean they're leading their leading sacker is 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 a safety um and and there's only yeah. there's only two guys that have more than that have two sacks or more and so um yeah i mean but Again, if you're impacting the, the the stat that doesn't show up a lot is you know what are you doing? How are you impacting the quarterback? If you don't have to sack a guy if you make him throw when he doesn't want to throw, and I think these, I mean, like John McCartan, he he's only got one sack, but he's got five quarterback hurries. So you know the, that, that 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 you know that's not a sack, but it but I'm sure out of those five. You know, maybe there's probably not not a lot of good happen for the offense on those on those plays. And you know, Corey Stover's another one outside linebacker. He's got five quarterback hurries, and Riley Sharp has four. So, you know, there's that. So, I, I, like I said, I think I think they've been they, they they've been a, a a nice solid group that that. Um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, like I said, I, I gave him a, I'm going to give him a B to this point. I also think, and I just thought about this. When I think of a defense, I think of a different kind of breed, like a different kind of animal, like a, the, the most confident, swaggiest kind of guys on the field that are ready to make plays. And when you look at our defense, I don't really see it or feel it as much. I feel consistency in the linebacker position. And I feel consistency in the, the D-line. But I don't feel that like overconfident player in either one of those. 
But when you look at, and I know that you're probably going to go into the DBs next, so I might as well just flip it over there. But when you think of the DBs, you think of guys that are overly confident like no other, but they back it more times than not. They come in, they hit hard, they come in, they make plays, and they let everybody know that it's their field. And I respect that so much where it's like, and so I'm grading our defense, our DBs, at a B plus to A minus because they come in with a different kind of energy, but that energy that's needed for the defense to work the way it does. Yeah, I mean, I look, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't really know what you can, you know, say about this, the secondary that, you know, it, it's been great. I mean, it's, this is, it's either Utah or Oregon State in terms of best secondary in the Pac 12. And, you know, Utah's got Clark Phillips. Um, so he always sticks out because of all the interceptions he's made. But I mean, Oregon State, their 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 pass efficiency defense is number one in the conference, number fourteen, you know, nationally. They they you know they're they're right up there in in total defense. Oregon State's second in the conference, and you know, and a lot of that has to do with the, the secondary. I mean, they just make so many plays. I mean, it's not just the corners either. It's that you know, Oladapo leads the leads the you know the Beavers in 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 sacks and tackles this year he's got i mean he's and he you know he's broken up five passes and um you know they just have you know alex austin's broken up seven passes and rajon Wright six ryan cooper wasn't even on the team last year he's he's been a he's been a pleasant surprise this year Uh, he's become a starter early in the year and he, he leads the team with with three interceptions um but they've they've got five six seven guys back there that are pretty nice players and i'm i mean i'm looking at all uh, guys that can make the all pack 12 team and when i say make the team i mean somewhere either first team second team or honorable mention i mean i i gotta think oladapo is gonna be on there Jaden grant's gonna be on there alex austin rajon wright i think ryan cooper's got a shot i mean i think they, they got a shot to get five guys somewhere on a, on the all pack 12 team um so, I like I said, I don't know if this is the best secondary in the Pac-12, but it's one of the best two. They 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 just they they make a lot of plays, and that that they're the reason this team they they are the they are the number one reason this team six and two. I think. I agree, and I think it's the energy they bring, the intelligence they have behind their positions, the communication on how well they are, the confidence that they bring, the swagger that they bring. They come in and they hit hard and they come in and make plays. And I mean, I respect every part of their game. And I think they're a big reason on why the defense works and runs as smooth, smoothly as it does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to say a minus on the, you said, you said B, is that what you said? I can't remember. No, I said a minus to B Oh, Okay. Plus. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, and, and overall, I mean, I think we went, I think we went B on the defensive line, you know, B ish on the on the on the linebackers and A minus on so I mean we're talking about a probably A minus to B plus on the defense, which is that's the strength of the team is the defense. And so it's we're gonna we're gonna probably they're probably gonna grade out a little hard, you know, a little 
little higher than the offense and that's okay. I mean, I think the, yeah. I think at this point, I think we, we look at this team and, and say, you know, this offense could, could be a little better. And if the defense can just stay as consistent as they've been, there's a chance to still win three or four more games this regular season. I agree. Let's, uh, let, let's kind of wrap up here with the, with Friday's game up in Seattle at Husky stadium with, um, this is the I mean, I was looking at the matchups over the years. This is the biggest game between these two schools since 2000. Um, and that was the year both teams finished in the top 10 nationally, shared the conference title. Uh, tremendous game. I mean, it was 33-30. I was there. It was, it was, I mean, it was everything you'd want in a football game. Nighttime, came down, you know, last minute, traded they traded leads back and forth. It, it was, it was, a, it was as good a football game as you could have hoped for. So 22 years later, uh, you know, it's not quite at that level, but, but both teams are six and two with chances to get to 10 wins at some point, if they can, if they can get on a November roll here. Um, did you, I, I, I'm you, which year did you play in Husky stadium um, when you were with Oregon state? I believe it was my soft, my junior year. I, I played at Husky Stadium. Yeah. What, what do you do? You remember anything about about playing at Husky Stadium? Anything? Anything? Uh... <laughs> do I remember? That's like the second hardest stadium to play in in the Pac-12. <laughs> um, it the crowd is. Please don't. I, please I, don't I, say Autzen Stadium is the hardest stadium to play in. I've had this debate. It's not the hardest. It's annoying. I've, I've, I've had this argument with people over because uh, I, I mean, I've covered football for years and years, and I've, I've always thought when Husky Stadium is full, it's that's as tough a place. It's to, crazy. The the old place was yeah. a little tougher to play in than the new one, but still, I mean, it's when it's packed and 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 their team is good. It's that is one hard place to play. Yeah, it was 2016. You played up there, a nice little 41 to 17 game. Looks like. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, the stadium was crazy. I think fans are absolutely bonkers, but at the same time love their team. So they're very passionate about that. Uh they'll talk a lot of trash to you just as much as the players will. So um I think it's a great uh it's gonna be a great game for Oregon State to really show who they are and what they became become. Um they have a lot to prove. And I think it's the perfect place to do it. I mean, I look at this game, and I—I I, I mean, I'm not—I'm not going. I'm not. It's not a stretch to say if Oregon State wins, it's their biggest win of the year. They—they um, mm-hmm. they beat the Huskies. They're going to beat a, a, a six and two team on the road to get to seven and two to open up November with winnable games against California and Arizona State. You win that game Friday night, you, you're probably getting to the Oregon game night and two. So that's a big win if Oregon State can pull it off. And and the difference really is going to be who wins the battle between Oregon State's defense and, and Washington's offense because Michael Penix Jr., is he's something special. And their receiving core is, is pretty deep and, and, and productive. And Oregon State's defense is going to have its hands full with that, with that offense. Yeah, it's going to – it's definitely going to be a rough game the whole way through, and they just got to buckle down the whole time. Um, yeah, it's going to be Oregon State's defense, Washington's offense, and 
the mind game of Oregon State's offense to itself. So I think that's the only way that our offense loses the battle between their defense and our offense. I think our defense is going to be the main holder. They're going to be the main piece to play. Uh, and the and the other issue, uh, well, there was two things I was going to ask. One was, so when you're playing against a quarterback that's really accurate, and he doesn't run, he doesn't he doesn't run a lot. He he'll move, but he doesn't run a lot. Um, how do you defend a guy like that that's got a got a good receiving core and he's accurate? What what I mean, what how do you how do you defend a guy like that? One thing you could do is look for tendencies. So uh, that was a big thing that we used to do when we played like the Cows quarterback or uh, Washington's at Wood Brown when he was at Washington um, or Sam Donald when he was at USC. We looked for tendencies. Uh, with accuracy and being just such a pocket quarterback, you don't really want to move, but you need to know precision, timing. Those are all very important keys. You look at a defense, you look at schemes, you're giving receivers exact concepts or exact routes to run. So you throw like little flashes here and there of hand signals. So uh, being able to pick up on hand signals are really important as a DB. Being able to pick up on certain formations that he only runs certain route concepts out of. Uh, so like basically if he goes to a three by one, sometimes some quarterbacks only run rollouts out of that. So it gives you a percentage of 26% that more than times than not, he's going to run a rollout. Uh, if it's to the boundary, if it's to the field, that gives you a smaller percentage. Um, so being able to know the tendencies, what to expect at certain down distances, um, it always helps. And then knowing his go-to players. So you have more understanding and awareness of the ball is definitely coming my way. So you should be on high alert. Uh, I think our DBs are very intelligent and they're probably, and I love that we got a week to analyze and watch film on it. And then on top of that, an extra week now to really, really prepare and dive in on it because I think that gives them all the time in the world to really watch every cue that he makes. And I think they have a shot at this. They just have to be able to buckle down and be smart and really read all keys on the field. I mean, the other factor in this game is going to be whether Oregon State can block their edges. Washington's edges, there is – they have more sacks than any team in the conference and and they can get after the quarterback if they can have, I think Oregon State can run on these guys um Washington hasn't seen an offense quite like Oregon State's that wants to run so I think that's going to be a challenge for the Huskies but it's going to be tough for Oregon State to keep keep their quarterback upright with with their edge with their edge pressure so I don't know what, I mean, outside of the obvious, the, the tackles better have a good game. Is there something else you you would want to see to keep those guys from putting too much heat on the quarterback? I mean, it's really going to be, if we're not running the ball, almost in ways we're going to have to have Martinez or Griffin help block. Uh, extra tight end, which also causes less uh, receivers downfield which that makes things hard. So I actually, truthfully honest, I'm very curious to see how Jonathan Smith takes this game and how he tries to counter the edges on how he's going to be able to help to save more time in the pocket, but on top of having the ability to get downfield. And I mean, if you know, like we all know Jonathan Smith, he's going to have the trick play up his sleeve. So hopefully he starts off with that with just a little bit of uh, confidence to boost. 
I mean, the key for the, I mean, it seems like the key to the whole thing is Oregon state's got to be productive on first and second down. They can't, yes. if they get in third and four, third and three, they're going to, they're going to be, they're going to, they're going to do well. If they got to get in third and eight, nine, 10, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a long night. So, you know, we'll see how they, they fare on, on those first two downs on offense. Um, I, I picked the game earlier today and on the, on the website, I picked it Oregon state 30 Washington 27. I'm not going to say I got a ton of conviction with that, but I do. I just think Oregon state, the fact that they've had a little bit extra time to study Washington's offense and defense being the strength of this team. I think that's going to be the difference. I see it being 31, 24 Washington. I could see it either way. I, I just that's where I'm. Yeah. That's where I'm thinking is you know, Washington could easily win the game. Oregon State could easily win the game. I just think where I'm coming from is just I, I just think the defense is going to have an an edge with it with an extra week to prepare for Washington's offense. So yeah, it's it's always very tricky because I could see Oregon State just pulling away with it, like how they played with Washington State and they just came in and won. Yeah, but then you also have that Oregon State. That's they, let's play to the level of our team, yeah. of our opponent. Right. So you know, I think that it's a hump that they're getting over, and it's a maturity level, and I think they're starting to get there. But at the same time, it's not fully there yet. And you know, it takes time. I'm proud of them, and I think, right? Yeah, they have every potential to win this game. Right. You just got to come out and do it. All right. Well, I think that's. Uh... I think we've uh, entertained the masses long enough here. Um, that's that's all the time we got for the this week of the Beaver Banter podcast. You can find this podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Be sure to check out Oregon Live for all our Oregon State content. We'll be back next week to talk about Oregon State's next game, which will be a Saturday, November 12th game against California in Research Stadium. There's not, there's not a kick time on that one yet. There, this game was put into the six-day window, so... Sunday we'll know when that game kicks off but we'll also be talking obviously about the Washington Oregon State aftermath and you know what that means for the final three games of the season so we'll uh, we'll see you next week